Chapter 7, Self-Directed Learning Case of the Day A Case Joe was an eager learner. He maintained 90% didactic conference attendance, always completed the weekly textbook assignments, and showed up to his shifts on time. He got along with the nurses and faculty. Everyone enjoyed working with Joe. While Joe's assessments in the areas of professionalism and interpersonal communication were always outstanding, his marks in medical knowledge and patient care were just average. Joe was disappointed to learn that he had only scored in the 30th percentile on his annual in-training examination. He met with his program director to brainstorm for ways to improve his medical knowledge and in-training examination scores. His PD told him, You're doing everything right, Joe. You always show up to conference and get 100% on the weekly reading quizzes. Joe knew he was doing everything, quote-unquote, right, but he was frustrated by the results. Every Wednesday, he sat through the same series of lectures he had experienced during the last three years of his residency. Sometimes, he was even able to predict which slide was coming next. Joe participated in all of the required residency activities and felt like he knew everything. However, despite knowing everything at conference, he felt like he didn't know anything when he was working clinically. He was often stumped, not knowing which tests to order next or what the diagnosis was. He felt even worse when he received his in-training exam result. Joe showed up to work one day and became very frustrated that he didn't even know what medication to use for a patient requiring procedural sedation. Joe decided to ask one of his friends from the anesthesia residency program for advice. Question for the reader. What would you advise Joe to do in order to increase his medical knowledge? Overview. Overview. In the setting of rapidly evolving knowledge, Malcolm Knowles argues that the main purpose of education is to provide learners with the skills of inquiry, rather than the knowledge itself. Knowles offers self-directed learning, or SDL, as an essential skill to maintain human competence. Self-directed learning occurs when learners perform the following actions. 1. Take initiative to diagnose their learning needs with or without the help of others. 2. Formulate learning goals. 3. Identify human and material resources for learning. 4. Choose and implement appropriate learning strategies. And 5. Evaluate learning outcomes. A similar definition of SDL, offered by Heimstra, is any study form in which individuals have primary responsibility for planning, implementing, and evaluating the effort. Knowles distinguishes SDL from traditional teacher-directed learning on several bases. Self-directed learners' internal motivation for learning develops from life tasks or problems. Learning is problem-centered rather than subject-centered. Knowles emphasizes that the learner's motivation is an essential feature of SDL. Self-directed learners may benefit from teacher-centered learning, but the self-directed learner enters the experience with a different fundamental attitude. In general, however, the role of the teacher in self-directed learning is to dialogue with the learner, secure resources, evaluate outcomes, and promote critical thinking. The first parts of SDL diagnosing one's learning needs and formulating learning goals requires a learner to assess their personal knowledge deficits, i.e. 
the difference between the desired skills of knowledge and their current skills and knowledge. Therefore, self-assessment is a key concept when discussing SDL. Here's some background. Some of the concepts inherent to self-directed learning, or SDL, have existed for centuries, with self-study being an important concept in learning of Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Alexander the Great, Caesar, Erasmus, and Descartes. In the 1920s, Lindemann laid the foundation for many of the core elements for self-directed learning. Rather than SDL, Lindemann refers to these elements in the context of adult education. Lindemann makes several assumptions in his work, in including that adults are self-directing and are motivated by, quote, needs and interests that learning will satisfy. In 1961, Hewell performed a study of 22 subjects and divided each into subgroups, one being the learning-oriented learners who make decisions in life in terms of the potential for growth which they offer. Knowles and others feel that the discovery of learning-oriented learners was an important concept in the discovery of self-directed learners. Carl Rogers offered the concept of student-centered learning in 1969 with the observations that, quote, the sense of discovery and comprehending associated with learning comes from within. The learners evaluate Quote, whether the learning leads towards what he wants to know. In 1971, Tuff observed that the majority of learning projects are, quote, planned by the learner himself, who seeks help and subject matter from a variety of acquaintances, experts, and printed resources. In 1973, Malcolm Knowles laid the foundation for his future work on SDL with his book, The Adult Learner, A Neglected Species. Here, he popularized the term andragogy, to refer to the concepts and assumptions inherent to the education of adult learners. In this work, he describes a mature learner's desire to be self-directing, identifying one's own readiness to learn, and organizing learning around life's problems, motivations. He also emphasizes the need for lifelong education to maintain competence. He describes the skills of lifelong learning, many of which parallel the fundamentals of SDL, a more formalized definition for self-directed learning in 1975 emerged when Knowles published a book entitled Self-Directed Learning, A Guide for Teachers and Learners. In 1977, Lucy Guglielmino developed a self-directed learning readiness scale, the SDLRS, a self-report Likert scale to measure one's readiness for self-directed learning. Additionally, Odie developed a 24-item continuous learning inventory these two instruments have been widely used in many future studies on self-directed learning. As the concept of SDL evolved, several authors offered further contributions, including Brockett, Heimstra, Long, Candy, Caffarella, O'Donnell, Grow, and Miriam. For example, Grow theorizes that learners mature through stages to ultimately become self-directed. During the first stage, the learner is completely dependent on the teacher for learning, and in the last stage... The learner is master of self-directed learning. Other authors provide conceptual models for SDL. For example, Brockett and Heimstra provide a conceptual framework for SDL, distinguishing between SDL as an instructional method process and learner self-direction, which is personality characteristics, in their personal responsibility orientation, or PRO, model.
modern takes on this theory. Knowledge has grown exponentially over the last century. As early as 1930, Alfred North Whitehead stated that, We are living in the first period of human history for which the assumption that major cultural changes take longer than a lifespan is false. Today, this time span is considerably shorter than that of human life. This idea rings even more true in the current era of technology and information sharing. One of the core fundamentals of SDL is that learners identify human and material sources for learning. While this action could have been difficult to achieve before the widespread dissemination of textbooks and online resources, the current environment is one rich with human, albeit virtual, and material sources for learning. Learners have a variety of open access journals, digital textbooks, blogs, podcasts, free open access medical education, and massive open online courses. Thus, the fundamentals of self-directed learning are extremely well-suited for the modern era. Within medicine, guidelines for SDL are present at all stages. Continuing medical education relies upon motivated, self-directed learners to maintain competence within the healthcare system. Undergraduate and graduate medical education programs require curricula to ensure that learners are self-directed. The Liaison Committee for Medical Education, the LCME, Standard 6.3 states, The medical curriculum should include self-directed learning experiences and time for independent study to allow medical students to develop the skills of lifelong learning. Self-directed learning involves medical students' self-assessment of learning needs, independent identification, analysis, and synthesis of relevant information, and appraisal of the credibility of information sources. Many medical schools meet this requirement in the form of problem-based learning, or PBL. PBL engages learners in many of the fundamentals of self-directed learning. According to Barrows, PBL encourages students to improve on their knowledge base, to keep contemporary in their eventual field of medicine, and to provide appropriate care for new or unique problems they may face in their work. This is self-directed learning. Within graduate medical education, the need for SDL is found within the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, the ACGME, core competency. Practice-based learning and improvement, PBLI. PBLI requires that residents, quote, demonstrate the ability to investigate and evaluate their care of patients, appraise and assimilate scientific evidence, and continuously improve patient care based on constant self-evaluation and lifelong learning. Here are some other examples of where this theory could apply. The ACGME allows emergency medicine residents to provide up to 20% of didactic education in the form of individualized interactive instruction, a term previously referred to as asynchronous learning. While asynchronous learning is not synonymous with self-directed learning, Many of the components of SDL are necessary for successful participation in asynchronous curricula. Individualized interactive instruction, triple I, is more rigorous than the catch-all term asynchronous learning, which literally means that the learning occurs asynchronously. 
Individualized interactive instruction requires that the learning activity is monitored for resident participation, overseen by faculty, monitored for effectiveness, and has an evaluative component. Asynchronous and IIII curricula are best carried out with the use of a learning management system or LMS, such as Blackboard, Schoology, or Canvas. An LMS can organize and curate resources for learners, as well as provide a platform for self-assessment and discussion among learners. However, if the instructor is choosing the instructional strategies and learning resources, then such asynchronous learning is not really self-directed. An important question in the context of self-directed learning is how learners should identify the appropriate human and material resources for learning. In the era of teacher-centered instruction, a student had to trust the instructor as the reputable information source. With the current abundance of materials available to learners, it may be difficult to distinguish between credible and inaccurate materials. Resources such as the Academic Life in Emergency Medicine, approved instructional resources, review content to ensure accuracy and provide a, quote, stamp of approval. Limitations of this theory. Inherent to the SDL process is the ability to perform accurate self-assessment. Norma, Eva, and Regeer report that humans are inherently poor at the skill of self-assessment, bringing this construct of SDL into question. One's own perception of one's knowledge and skills are fraught with the Lake Wobegon effect from Garrison Kylor, fictional town about a community where everyone believes themselves to be above average. Dunning and Kruger suggest that a person's incompetence masks his or her ability to recognize his or her own incompetence. Intriguingly, there is no one accepted definition of self-assessment as it means many different things to different people. Per a systematic review on self-assessment, the definition of self-assessment were not available in most studies, with a majority of studies setting out to determine the, quote, accuracy of self-assessment in terms of quantitative comparisons with external measures or expert ratings. Eva and Reger take the definition of self-assessment into a broader territory than just an ability by splitting this idea into three separate pedagogical strategies. One, self-directed assessment seeking. That is, using data from invited feedback and other external sources to direct personal improvement. Two, reflection. Deliberate exploration of elaborating one's understanding of the problem one has or is facing rather than simply trying to solve it, trying to understand why a clinical case went the way it did. 3. Self-monitoring. Personal judgment of one's ability versus awareness. In the moment of whether or not the current situation is going well, slowing down when one should, or knowing when to look something up, or knowing when to ask for help. Self-directed learning also requires that the learners formulate their own learning goals, This idea is also fraught with difficulty. Norman argues that learners, especially in medical education, must have significant guidance on what to learn. Learners may still successfully choose how they learn it, i.e. directed self-learning. Returning to the case. Case of the day. Joe met with Katie, a third-year resident in the anesthesia program, 
Katie told Joe that she had felt the same way over the past two years. This year, however, her PD started a self-directed learning curriculum during the last hour of conference. Residents were instructed to write down a clinical question they had during the week prior to conference. They would bring the question to conference and would be given time to research the literature for guidance in answering it. Ever since introducing this curriculum, Katie felt much more confident during her shifts. Initially, she felt so overwhelmed by all the knowledge out there, but since then, she has felt more comfortable in finding the right places to look for answers. Joe was excited to bring this idea back to his PD in emergency medicine. His program director loved the idea, but wanted to make sure it would count for conference credit. Joe looked on the Emergency Medicine Council for Residency Directors website and found that the activity may have qualified for individualized interactive instruction. Joe learned that if the activity is monitored for participation, overseen by the faculty, monitored for efficacy, and has an evaluative component, it would qualify. Joe knew that the first two parts were easy to achieve, but didn't know how he would accomplish the last two. Joe and his PD met again and decided to include a question about the new conference component on the annual program evaluation. The program director also planned to review and evaluate all of the residents' clinical question worksheets. Joe couldn't wait to tell his colleagues about the new conference edition, 